Hey, well, welcome everyone. Uh, thanks for being here with us this morning. Jacob, you want to get that house music for us? And yeah, yeah, let's do that. All right. Love the conversation. Hate to break that up, uh, but there'll be more time. Just all the way through. Yeah, let's just keep the music going throughout. Yeah. Hey, uh, so thanks for being here with us. Uh, Some of you were able to be here with us last week, uh, some not, but we had uh, our one-year celebration last week. Justin mentioned that in in the video a minute ago, and and, and that was an exciting day. We had a lot of fun. We met some new families. Uh, We got to celebrate together about what God has been accomplishing over the last year. And it's been mentioned, but I want to mention here as as we get rolling, uh, in our second year of this journey, a core value that remains to be just at the heart of who we are, um, it is our prayer. Uh, to continue to cultivate a community in which belonging can come first. That is, anyone of any walk of life can come here, feel comfortable as a place to live in relationship with people and, uh, and to explore who Jesus is. In time, people will come to, be- to, to, um, to see that we are followers of Jesus, we are believers in Jesus, and we hope that in time people come to put their faith in them, but the belonging does not hinge upon that expectation uh, in, in this church. And, and then when we come to believe in Jesus, Jesus, uh, uh, the, the Spirit, God does powerful work in our lives to invite us to become who he's created us to be. And we think that's an important order uh, in, in, in church and in the way that we operate. So it's been a beautiful journey. I, I, like Justin said, I want to thank everyone for being a part of it. And uh, I am incredibly excited for what God has ahead. Here we are, a small community of believers um, uh, continuing to learn what it looks like and means to follow Jesus here in the 21st century. And it's an exciting journey. Um, so this morning we are uh, finishing up uh, the Gospel of Luke. Uh, for some time now we've been studying through the Gospel of Luke and this is Luke's story of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And, um, and so we've watched uh, as, as Jesus has healed, as Jesus has taught, as Jesus has um, uh, commanded the attention of thousands of people, uh, follow and listen to his every word. We saw a few weeks ago as Jesus was hung on a cross and died there. His closest followers abandoned him. They were, they were lost and scared and confused, and they scattered. They didn't know what to do. Um, and, and then last week on uh, our one-year celebration, we, we witnessed the resurrection. We read a story of women, uh, the, the women that followed Jesus. They went out to the tomb a few days later to uh, prepare his body, and they found it empty. And, and an angel appeared to them and said, why are you looking for the living among the dead, right? And, 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 so, and so they experienced this incredible moment in which all that, they were crushed by the death of Jesus. All of those emotions begin to swing as they realized he may be alive. They went back and they told the apostles, but the apostles didn't really believe. And so last week we left ourselves hanging in this moment where um, there is some evidence of resurrection, People are beginning to believe in a risen Savior. And the question that we engage this week as we read a story about Jesus and some men traveling on the road to a little town called Emmaus, the question that we engage today is how will Jesus reveal himself now? A, a risen Savior, what will happen? And, and I'll tell you, this is one of my favorite stories and passages in, in all of Scripture and in the story of, of, um, of Jesus and the story of God's work in this world. Uh, it's what, what Luke chooses to end his gospel with. And it's going to seem a relatively um, 
ordain normal story, uh, but, but there is some beautiful nuances to this that I think warrant Luke having said, this is the climactic moment. He's risen from the dead. We're waiting in expectation that he be revealed, and then he tells this story. It's in Luke chapter 24, verse 13. It says this, Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and he walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? And they stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, uh, asked him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, Jesus asked. Okay, so uh, we set the stage. Uh, Two men are walking down this road. Uh, They, and apparently from their response, everyone in Jerusalem, including the visitors, knows what has happened. You remember the audiences that followed Jesus. Well, people know of what has happened Something tragic has rocked the nation. Uh, their faces are downcast. It just means they're sad. They're looking down at the ground. They're, they're in sorrow. They're, they're broken, right? And, and they're walking down this road towards a village called Emmaus. And Jesus himself shows up. If you've ever asked that question, if, you followed, uh, if you've been a part of churches and followed Jesus for long, uh, there's this notorious question, does God have a sense of humor, right? Sometimes we wonder that. I think this is one of those examples where you see, this is quirky. This is funny. The way it plays out, and we'll, we'll continue to read the story in a minute. But Jesus arrives next to him, and he starts talking with him. And rather than saying, "Hey, here I am," no, he he asks him. He, he kind of he says, "So, so what's going on here? What's what's happening right now?" And I can't say exactly why Jesus would choose to do it in that way, but the way he will reveal himself is quite beautiful and quite in line with with the narrative that Luke has been telling about this man, Jesus. So, um, we'll continue. Um, uh, what things, Jesus asked them, what, what things have been happening here in these days? Well, um, ab- uh, about Jesus of Nazareth, they, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed, before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women uh, amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but they didn't find his body. They came and they told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said that he's alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just the way the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, how foolish are you and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not, did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. 
Okay, so they have yet to realize who Jesus is, but they engage in this deep conversation with him. They explain what had happened. He was a prophet and he was powerful and people loved him and followed him and we even had hope that he was the Messiah. They're saying this to the risen Messiah himself, right? We hoped that he was the Messiah. We hoped that he was going to redeem Israel. If you've been with us as we've tracked through the Gospel of Luke, you'll remember that, um, that they are hoping for a king to come and rule, to, to throw off the the Roman rulers, that Israel would be its own nation and a king again would would reign on their throne. Uh, God, of course, Jesus, of course, was inaugurating, was ushering in a different kind of kingdom. But they say we had hoped that he would be the one to redeem Israel. But these curious things are happening. His body isn't there anymore and, and, and angels have appeared to our people and we just don't know what's happening. And so Jesus says... You're an idiot, right? I like that. Those are, those are good words, Jesus. Uh, so sometimes we want to be just really nice, you know, with the people, but sometimes Jesus was just really honest with people, uh, and, you know, and, and he says, how, how foolish can you be? Now, now, come on. This has been a plan and process. Jesus himself, we've heard him tell them that, that you know, I, I'm going to destroy this temple and, and rebuild it in three days. Speaking of himself, he, he said to them quite literally, I have to suffer and I'll die and I'll raise three days later. But they don't get it. They're still lost in this moment. They're still living uh, just in, in, in fear and, and confusion. Uh, about this, this Savior. Who was he? Was he truly the Savior? And they'd lost hope, and so they're walking with their heads down away from Jerusalem. Remember, everything had climaxed here in Jerusalem in the hub of Israelite people and faith, and now notice the followers of Jesus scattering away from Jerusalem. They've given up, and they're fearful, and their heads are low as they walk away. We had hoped he was the one, but we're walking away in defeat And here they're speaking to Jesus, the risen Savior, this whole time. It says in like 25, 26, 27 there, um, that that he went back and he explained everything beginning with Moses. And a while back we did a series on, um, uh, on, on kind of the big flow of Scripture and what's happening. And, and so Jesus came to them and he said, beginning with Moses, God has been doing a redemptive work. Like, like in the story of, of Moses and God bringing his people up out of Egypt. Uh, you might have heard that story as a kid. We've talked about it before. But um, it, it serves kind of as a paradigm, kind of as a model for the work that God is doing. And so the prophets and Jesus and many other would refer to this Exodus account. You see, Exodus teaches us about a God who is faithful to his people. Exodus teaches us about a God that has redeemed his people. He has bought them out of slavery Exodus tells us about a God that is guiding his people and guiding them towards a promised land, towards a good inheritance. And so Jesus, he says, I want you to look back over the scope of God's work in this, nation's, in this nation of Israel. And in that, he explained to them how he himself was the explanation. Now, let me just say that like theologians today, as we, as not we, as in myself, but as theologians and we today read back over the Old Testament scriptures, let me just acknowledge that Jesus is a surprise answer to uh, the crisis of Israel. Uh, Jesus is surprising. 
they did want and expect a king to rule for good reason. It was said that, that Israel would be redeemed. So, so we can understand to some extent their confusion. Jesus is a surprise, yet beautiful and better than could be hoped for answer for this nation Israel and, of course, for the world, for, for you and me. So Jesus is having, having this conversation with them. In verse 28, uh, we continue, and the, as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going further. Uh, but they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening, the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, and he gave thanks, and he broke it, and he began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, but he disappeared from their sight. They asked the others, um, they, they asked the other, were not our hearts burning within us while we talked with him on the road and opened the scriptures to us? Then they got up and they returned to Jerusalem. They were there, uh, with, there they found the eleven. And those with them assembled together and saying, it's true, the Lord has risen and he appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus had recognized them and and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. Okay, now this is the beautiful nuance to the story of a risen Savior. People in turmoil and walking away, but Jesus finally reveals himself. Now, if we were writing the story of God and the Savior Jesus, we would write a story of a spectacular arrival in Jerusalem where everyone could see, right? Isn't that the way you'd expect, this climactic moment where Jesus appears and everyone says, oh my goodness, it's, it's happened, he's risen from the dead, he's the Savior, and yet God has chosen a totally different narrative for the revelation. It began with women. People kind of on the outskirts of society in that time, the women were the first witnesses and they came back to the 11 and the 11 are like, oh, whatever. They don't know what they're talking about, right? No, but it began with women. And now two men walking down the road having given up, they're not the 11, they're not, they're not the, the closest followers of Jesus, just two men and Jesus shows up. And I want to notice how he reveals himself to them. Notice it's not in conversation, and notice it's not in glowing clothes or, you know, like the visions of angels that people had. Instead, he sits down at a table with them, and he takes a loaf of bread, and he breaks it, and he gives thanks. And in that moment, they witness a risen Savior. Now, what's the significance of this moment, of that breaking of the bread? You you might have been with us as we talked about the Last Supper, as Jesus sat with his 12 followers, and, uh, and, and they, were, uh, they, were, they didn't understand the plan that was about to be, uh, and Jesus took this bread that was on the table, and, and he broke it, and he said to them, I want you to remember my body when you break bread together. And he took the fruit of the vine or, or the wine, uh, and, 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 he, uh, and, and he, he gave it to them, and he said, I want you to remember my blood when you drink of this. And so now Jesus has suffered, he's died. That was all he could get through their heads. He says, he says, just remember me when it all happens. And now Jesus comes back and he reveals himself in the breaking of bread. And I think it's beautiful, the simplicity, uh, the, 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 the way the story comes together in the end, that around a table, 
Jesus has revealed to these people. So I want to consider this as a church and as a people. Uh, let's be honest. We are a simple people. We are not about putting on the best show in the Tri-Cities as a church, right? We're about living in community. We're, we're, we're not about the flashy things that say, hey, look at, look at us or look at Jesus. No, we're about the simple things. Much like Jesus, who chooses to reveal himself simply in the breaking of bread, He chooses to reveal himself in the form of table hospitality. We want to be a people like that. We want to be a people that say the gospel is about table fellowship, not about a show and not about in versus out. The gospel is about table fellowship, sitting and breaking bread with people, sitting and having conversation. And I believe that like in this story, Jesus comes to life. Jesus is realized as risen in the context of a relationship over a table. Guys, this is, to me, this is beautiful stuff. It's the reason I want to be a part of church. It's the reason I want to be a part of faith community because Jesus is alive. And it's not, it's not flash in the pan and it's not a show. It's an invitation to relationship. It's an invitation to live life together. It's an invitation to relationship with God and to live life in his presence. And friends, it happens around a table. So, so hospitality becomes a core subject for, for us as a people and as a church. What does it look like to be hospitable like Jesus to the marginalized people in society, not just those most like us, not always leveraging what will be the most successful for my church or what will most further my career or what would I enjoy most. But no, Jesus chose a posture of table fellowship for for marginalized people around him. God chose the weak to be made strong in his kingdom. And that's, that's a principle we see throughout Scripture. So as a people, I just want to invite us to consider what table fellowship looks like, what, what, what hospitality around a table looks like in each of our lives. That's how Jesus revealed himself. And I think it's an invitation to us to, to invite people to know Jesus in the context of a table, a glass of wine, a conversation, a relationship, simplicity of the gospel. And I think it's beautiful. So today, uh, we're going to take communion. Each week we have communion available, but once a month we like to, we like to feature it as, as a time and an opportunity to do something, um, to do something together uh, as a church to remember Jesus. Remember, he left them with simply that, just remember me when you break bread. And so today, we're going we're gonna to break bread together. We have communion available at each of the tables. The logistics of it will be simple. If you'd like to take communion, you're invited to, wherever you're at in your journey. We, we practice open communion here, and, and that means if you would like to experience this with us, you are welcome to participate. And we'll just take that bread, and we'll dip it in the grape juice available. There's a gluten-free option over there. Really logistical, right? So um, uh, go ahead and grab that, dip it in the grape juice, and bring it back with you. We're going to take uh, communion together here in a minute. You see, this is about a risen Savior. And this is about a Savior that invites us to participate Him uh, in community, right? And, and so today, as, as we, we break this bread, as we remember His body broken and His blood given, today we do, we'll do it as a community. We'll, 
we're unable today to gather around a table for this, but we'll be gathered around tables in days and weeks to come. But in this moment, we want to remember a risen Savior. We want to consider the beautiful, peaceful uh, life that he invites us to in the context of our communities, right? So today, as we take the bread, as we drink the juice, er, as we have the juice, I want to remember Jesus. And, and maybe it'll be the first time today that some of us, some of us realize he's risen. Like, there's something real to this that I never really knew. I want to just invite us to open ourselves up to, to a new realization of a risen Savior today, like happened, these people on the road to Emmaus. He's alive, and it's good news. Chris is going to play music for us. Don't rush. We'll take a few minutes here as we go and get our bread. Bring it back with you, and let's take communion together here in just a couple minutes. So friends, this is everything. Like, if, if we believe that this broken body and this blood was not the end of the story, well, that's, that's everything. Uh, that changes everything in life. Like, if he rose from the dead, that has a significant impact on the way I want to live my life. It has a significant impact on the hope that I have beyond this life. And I believe he rose from the dead. So today, as we take this bread... And this juice, let's remember a broken body and let's celebrate that the story didn't end there. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Um, Thank you for Jesus. Uh, Thank you for an opportunity for each of us in our own place in life and in our own walk just to explore uh, who Jesus is and what does it mean. And Father, we're at a climactic moment in the story and I pray that that as, as we all move towards you in our faith journey that you will continue to reveal yourself to us. That as we take this bread and, and remember his blood, Father, that, that, um, that you will reveal yourself to us, a risen Savior. Father, that you will help us to know you more in this. In Jesus' name, amen. So as a people, as a follower of Jesus, as a church, uh, we're going to leave here. And here's one of my dreams for this church, um, and I believe one of God's dreams for church, that this Sunday experience not be the climactic moment for us every week, but like the meals shared at a table become a climactic moment where we meet Jesus, where we live life in community with people. I love what we get to do here, but I love what happens outside here. I'll remind you this week, um, like the way we structure our branches is so that we can, we can do table fellowship. So this week we have two different families hosting meals. They're open to us. They're open to neighbors and community members. This is just time to share a meal together, right? To extend that gospel uh, com- communal hospitality to the world around us. I'll remind you of that. Let's pray as we close out today. God, thank you for being here with us. Thank you, Father, for, uh, for, for being in this place with us. But, Father, we believe that, that you're everywhere, that you are at work in this community, in our lives, and the lives of people around us. So, Father, as we go from here, as we share meals together, as we live life, Father, we continue to reveal yourself to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us. Be blessed this week.